Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Welcome to That Spooky. I'm Johnny. And I'm Tyler. And this is a weekly podcast also known as The Turnt of the Screw. <laughs> that screw got turned. Honey. Now, would you say that that screw got turned up to Eleventary? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, ab- definitely. Thank you for asking. All right, so welcome to episode 88, everybody. Yes. Yes, that's getting up there. It is getting up there. We're going to be in the hundos in no time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're nearing that century. Century? No. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Podcast century. Mm-hmm. And it's my birth year. It is, 88. Yeah, yeah good old double titties. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to call it. People <laughs> ask me, what year are you born? I'm like, 19 double titties. And they know exactly what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they really want to continue conversation with me because I seem like a grounded individual. Right, yeah. With a lot to say about <laughs> current events. Yeah, it's uh-huh. wonderful. All right, so speaking of current events, do you want to talk about Drag Race for two minutes since we're in spooky gay bullshit? Yeah, let's do it because we just watched uh, the season 12 finale and yeah. we got our queen. Absolutely. So congratulations Jada Essence Hall. Bam, 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 bam. It's no surprise there. Mm-hmm. She was fucking flawless. Hell yeah. Head to toe. Yes. Amazing. She's an amazing queen. Yeah. And from the beginning. From the very beginning of that season. And uh, she definitely deserved it. Mm -hmm. And there's a really sweet video going around. As we know, they're still in isolation. And there's a really sweet video going around of Jada on the corner of what I'm assuming is her street with a parade going by just congratulating her. It's Yeah, it's the sweetest thing I saw all weekend. It was very heartwarming. Yeah, and she's just losing her mind. So look that up if you can. Uh-huh. But yeah, we got our queen. It's so exciting. And the finale was really good, actually, given the 
fact that it was all done through Zoom. Absolutely. Which is completely unprecedented. Uh-huh. Do you have any high points? Because I know what my high point is. Okay. And I think this might also be your high point. Probably. Okay, so one, two, three. Crystal, Crystal Method's, Methods lip sync. Yeah, okay. okay. Totally. Uh-huh. All right. So if you are a, a supporter of this show, a an avid listener, you will know that we here in this house uh-huh. celebrate Nelly Furtado Day oh, every we, March 21st. We observe it every March 21st. That's right. Absolutely. So when Crystal did her I'm Like a Bird lip sync, uh-huh. and it was like the most twisted children's show kind of presentation <laughs> I can imagine. It was so good. Yeah. It was like Pee Wee's Playhouse, but on more acid? Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit more. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. I'm at a loss for words. Go look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. And if you know what we're talking about, You'll get it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, other high points from the, the episode? I mean, Jada winning, obviously. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I'm going to say RuPaul in the eyeball. Oh, my God. That was so bizarre. We got another luchador <laughs> face mask moment. Uh-huh. Or another facelift holding everything together moment. Yeah. I mean, RuPaul's face floating in that eyeball was giving me, like, Night Vale tea. Like, I it was just loved like, it. Where have we gone? Oh, it was just absurd. Yeah. No, more of that, please. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't think I really have any low points for the finale i mean no no Mm. other than the fact that you know they didn't get their big moment in front of a crowd which just you know it was a reflection that they didn't get that but i think this is going to be a pretty infamous season of drag race going forward and looking back so these queens are going to get theirs trust and believe absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah that's the thing i think that people are going to be conscious of giving these queens a little bit of extra sugar in the future i think so yeah excited all right so yeah all hail the queen we are excited to see Mm -hmm. what she has to offer the world and we are also excited for all stars five starting next week i know right can you believe this week actually oh yeah Yeah. holy shit yeah i can barely believe it look no time is as they would say a flat circle Mm -hmm. (laughs) that doesn't mean anything but yeah no that it's just not even making sense to me anymore. No, it's just one into another into another. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like Scooby-Doo when they're running through a hallway from a villain and they're just going in between doors. Like, I feel yeah. like that's us with Drag Race right now. Absolutely. We're out one door into the other. And then Canada's going to overlap. It's going to be real wild. Uh-huh. And then at one point, it's like we're going to be the one chasing them. <laughs> they're not going to be chasing us. Right. And then Burt Reynolds is just going to run through a young Burt Reynolds. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. This is my world. All right, so that's enough about Drag Race Season 12. It was a lovely season, and if you've been with us throughout it, you've heard us talk about it a lot, so mm-hmm. I'm sure we can just put that to bed now. Yeah, let's tuck it in. She's tired. Yeah, well, you know what? we got bigger fish to fry right now. we just got more important things to talk about, and I think this is going to be what spooky gay bullshit is about. Mm-hmm. So let's just speak to the elephant in the room. The world's on fucking fire. It really is. Yeah, it's been on fire. Uh And the difference is now it's on fire and we've got cameras. Mm -hmm. So uh, as many of us know, George Floyd was murdered via a blood choke Mm -hmm. from a police officer. And unfortunately, this is, I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to minimize it, Mm -hmm. but this is one of many deaths of black people that have been at the hands of police Listen, countless, like, years, and just within this decade alone, there is at least one really prominent case that everybody in the world hears about, but there are so many more cases that we don't even hear about. It's literally impossible to actually name them all, which is a 
fucked up statistic. Absolutely. So here's the thing. Um, right now is a really heated time and we are all at home. We are all watching the news and there's a lot of anxieties. And on top of that, there is also, as we know, huge racial inequalities and injustices being committed against black people, people mm -hmm. of color. But like right now, specifically, a lot of the conversation is centered around Black Lives Matter yeah. and black people, you know, in America, North America, however you want to put it. Like, you know, we see and we hear all the racism. We, But I feel like sometimes people respond to what's happening right now and they go, oh, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And it's like 100 percent right. germane to the conversation. But what we also need to be sensitive to is that right now we are talking about black lives. Right. One analogy I keep seeing online that people keep sharing is in regards to like houses being on fire. Yeah. You know, if you have a neighborhood and every house, you know, you don't want any of the houses to be on fire. But if one house is on fire, that's where you're going to send the firefighters. And right now, black people's lives are that house. Absolutely. And I mean, this also speaks to imbalances and injustices. And I'm sorry if I seem like, you know, I am falling around with my words. But honestly, this is a two, this is a multi-hour conversation uh -huh. that, you know, we're here putting into the intro of this episode. But what I do want to say is that regardless of, you know, how difficult it is to talk about this, Tyler and I totally believe that this is something that needs to be talked about. And, you know, as white creators, it's like we don't have the answers. And we, as a lot of people are saying, you know, mm -hmm. we, as white people, we have to do more listening than talking right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that some people use that as a great excuse to go, no, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I haven't commented on it. I'm sorry. I just, I, you know, whatever. But right. the T is Bob the Drag Queen said it best. It's like, you don't need to write a fucking poem about it. Just saying Black Lives Matter is enough to start the conversation. Exactly. Because silence truly is violence. And at this moment, inactivity as allies, like even as the people that this isn't centered on, mm -hmm. that... It, implicitly results in showing support for the oppressing power. So what you need to do right now as an ally, you know, as a person who's a part of this world right now fighting this fight, you know, we need to listen, we need to stay active, we need to stay engaged. And if you are a white creator, you need to use your platform right now to speak about this. Even if you don't have the words, you know, like Bob the Drag Queen said, just say fucking Black Lives Matter, open up the conversation uh -huh. and yeah, just be ready to have it exactly because all i all that we keep hearing as well is that black people and people of color are tired of telling us what to do as white people and how to help as white people we need to kind of figure that out for ourselves which means we need to have some uncomfortable conversations absolutely and yeah so have the uncomfortable conversations if you can donate to the organizations that need to be donated to right now if you can't donate to organizations right now you know reshare the posts if you can't you know do that protest you know and do any of those in tandem with each other there are so many options out there there's the george floyd memorial Fund, which was put out by his brother that's available at gofundme.com if you google george floyd memorial on gofundme you can find that you can donate to the minnesota freedom fund which is at minnesotafreedomfund.org slash donate you can donate to i run with mod which is a justice for ahmaud aubrey fundraiser at gofundme you can donate to justice for breonna taylor and sign the petition there's a fundraiser and all the info available on at a change.org petition 
or you could donate to the National Bailout Fund for Free Black Mamas, which is available at actblue.com. Again, you can Google that. Now, that is just me reading an image that is readily available on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What I want to underline here is that there are so many ways to support no matter where you are, no matter what position you're in right now. Even if you can't send them a few bucks, I get it. We yeah. all got to pay rent. And, you know, you want to do what you can. But if anything, just signal boost it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you know resources that we should be aware of, share them with us. We'll be happy to share them on our social media platforms and, and get the word out in any way that we can. Absolutely. Because the first Pride really was a riot. And, you know, and if you want to say the first Pride parade was a memorial of the riot. Mm -hmm. Queer riots were happening before that. We just talked about the Compton Cafeteria riots during the Doodler episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, not too many weeks ago but it, like here's the tea this is now pride month as we're recording this it's june 1st and if you like bob the drag queen really put it well in a video that they put out on youtube where they talked to peppermint about this which everybody listening to this should watch it's a great place to start if you don't know where to start yeah because yeah. they spill the tea and here's some for you uh if you are a queer person or an ally you know and you are marching in pride parades and you go to that programming then in a way you are benefiting from the stonewall riots and at the end of the day it is pretty hypocritical to you know celebrate and memorialize you know riots that benefit your own interests but then to look out into the world today and condemn these people for rioting you know it's just hypocritical mm -hmm. um, and beyond that you know if we really want to talk about hypocrisy if you listen to true crime content if you're listening to this podcast you know edutainment whatever the hell you want to call it at the end of the day you're learning and you you know, all this kind of stuff about injustice and murder and all the like, this is all stuff that we intersect into these stories that we tell. So at the, at the end of the day, if you are not getting active about this in one way, shape or form, your values aren't reflecting your morals in mm -hmm. some way. If you're turning a blind eye to what's happening under your nose, then you're consuming content in a vacuum. And that is a privilege. And you need to look at yourself in the mirror. I'm not saying you're a bad person, but I'm saying that this moment is such an opportunity for change. Yeah, exactly. And for growth. Yeah, it starts with a conversation and starts today. Yeah. And it's been a conversation for decades. Yeah, and let's connect with the world around us. So uh, happy Pride Month, everyone. I hope that everyone's safe and that everyone is healthy. And, you know, if you are protesting, I hope that you're self-isolating for at least seven days afterward mm -hmm. and following up with testing. You know, like, let's just be safe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is that. We will probably speak about this again. You can check our social media and engage with us. You can reach out to us if you are just feeling upset and you don't know what to do. If you feel like we were speaking to you in some way and you're going, I don't know how to put together the pieces. Reach the fuck out to us and we can just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the tea. If you're listening this far, you know, and you're into what we're saying, then obviously you want to learn more. So if you're confused and if you feel alienated and you feel like a finger is being pointed at you for not being aware enough, reach out and maybe we can shoot some articles your way. Definitely. And also just know that nobody has the answers and everybody is learning and everybody has their blind spots. So just consume as much as you can and uh, take it in and educate yourself. Absolutely. 
because ultimately keeping racism out of your life isn't a one-time deal and you know making sure that your actions align with non-racist values isn't a one-time thing uh you know as white people we're born into this world of microaggressions and shit like that and it's up to us to kind of watch our own actions and you know hear when we're called out on our bullshit mm -hmm. and try to call ourselves out on our bullshit before anybody else does as well so remain flexible remain engaged and above all else remember that black lives matter cool so uh do you have any oopsie poopsies this week this week i don't have any oopsie poopsies my fairy story was just perfect oh uh -huh. look at you your skin looks fresher as a result I know, you just right? look cleansed yeah yeah i found the the, the fountain of youth it's i love talking that about fairies beautiful all right well i have an oopsie poopsie uh -huh. it's a pretty glaring one so if you listened to the episode last week and you heard it before I had the chance to re-release it, <laughs> you probably heard around the 41-minute mark a little overlay of the audio. Yeah. Listen, these things do happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I was pretty embarrassed by it because I am a what? A professional. Yeah. But I'm also a human. Yeah. So we all make mistakes. But yeah, it, uh, and I know exactly when it happened too. Mm -hmm. It was when we were all done editing. Like it wasn't something that we heard when we were listening through to the episode. It was after I put the theme song in. I didn't select all in moving the audio forward. And uh, yeah. More the fool of me. Oopsie poopsie. I poopsied my oopsie. Yeah, so that's that. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Get into it. Stupid. Yeah, more beautiful. <laughs> I just want to be complimentary today. All right, so now we can get into it, right? Yes, we can. Cool, and you're going first this week. Yes, I am. Love and it. this week, Mama, I got a doozy now this one was a topic that was recommended to us by sarah on the secret society that doesn't suck because sarah is 100 percent that bitch and supports us at the 25 dollars level and when you do that you get to pick a topic for us to cover on the show diva uh-huh so this week i am going to be talking about alexi saint martin but my english ass is going to say uh alexi saint martin the first human guinea pig oh yeah it's not as cute as it sounds it's a gut wrencher literally okay mm -hmm. wow all right well i'm here get into it i will say mine's a pretty light one so it'll be worth it perfect yeah we'll have a little palate cleanser excellent yeah. all right so alexi saint martin was a 19 year old french canadian man working at fort mckenna on mckenna island in michigan in 1822 now, Alexi was there working as a fur trapper for the American Fur Company, and since the late 1600s, Fort McKenna was known as a good place to hunt beavers, sea otters, and apparently buffalo. I okay. didn't realize there were buffalo in the East Coast. Maybe there aren't anymore. Maybe there were. 
I don't know. Get I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the land was likely co-opted from First Nations people by colonists. So French colonialists were there. I think colonists. I that. colonists. No, that's uh-huh. beautiful. Don't worry. Thank you so much. We're keeping it. So French colonialists were there first to occupy the island in the 1600s. But in the late 1700s, Fort McKenna was built as a British outpost, making it a pivotal landmark during the War of 1812. Okay. After which it became an outpost for outpost for the United States Army. Thank you so much. English is very new to me. Yeah, as your first <laughs> and only language. Yeah. yeah, I've only been speaking it for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Yeah, it's um, like your training wheels just came off. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Fort McKenna's militaristic history may not be ideal for some, but it proved to work in Alexi St. Martin's favor because on June 6, 1822, Alexi St. Martin was accidentally shot by a fellow trapper. Oh. Now, the gun had gone off by complete accident, and unfortunately, the gun was at a very close range, causing St. Martin's side to kind of explode like a confetti cannon. Oh, geez. That's not cute. That's like Nightmare on Elm Street kind of shit. Yeah, she nasty. Damn. Now, in such critical condition, time was of the essence, but fortunately, because there was a army base nearby, there was an army physician station on the island that was readily accessible to St. Martin's so he was rushed there in an attempt to save his life. Okay. And that was where St. Martin met Dr. William Beaumont. I really hope that Alexi at some point looked at the doctor and was like, look, it's just the trappings of trapping. Oh, hey. Am I right? Yeah. Hey. No, yeah. A little, a little bit of medical, a <laughs> uh, little bit of, yeah. Uh, a little me- a me- medical yeah. procedural yeah. number. Yeah, yeah a little, little hospital bed humor. Oh, there you yeah. go. You yeah. gotta love it. You there know, you got a smile on the He's like, oh, we got a comedian. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and then Doogie Howser walked in and Zach Pratt followed behind and tripped and, yeah, and you know, caused like, the scene. Oh, my God, a child doctor. What a blessed day. Right. I mean, yeah. it is the 1800s. So I, that's what I mean, earnestly. Probably very. Common. Totally. Uh-huh. Now, Dr. William Beaumont was born in Connecticut in 1875 and grew up on a farm. At age 21, he moved to New York State, not New York City, and became a teacher and then a physician. Way now, less chic. Way less chic. I know. Now, during the War of 1812, he worked in Paulsburg, and after the war, he started a private practice, but then he rejoined the army in 1820 and was stationed at Fort McKenna a short while later, where he would fatefully meet and treat. Alexi St. Martin. Okay. Now, when Alexi St. Martin was admitted into William Beaumont's care, it was a gory scene. No one really thought for even a second that St. Martin was going to be able to overcome his injury, including William Beaumont. So the Today I Found Out channel on YouTube was actually able to find some of Beaumont's writings, which I wasn't able to find anywhere else. So snaps for Today I Found Out. Absolutely. And according to them, Beaumont wrote, and I quote, The gunshot entered posteriorly and in an oblique direction, forward and inward, literally blowing off integuments and muscles the size of a man's hand, fracturing and carrying away an anterior half of the sixth rib, fracturing the fifth and lacerating the lower portion of the left lobe of the lungs, the diaphragm, and perforating the stomach. Whoa, the shot duration uh-huh. of it all. Absolutely. So it was a pretty bleak assessment, but Beaumont's observations went on to say, 
found a portion of the lung as large as a turkey's egg protruding through the external wound, lacerated and oh. burnt. And immediately below this, another protrusion, which on further examination proved to be a portion of the stomach lacerated through all its coats and pouring out the food he had taken for breakfast through an orifice large enough to emit a forefinger. Oh, I hope nobody's eating lasagna right now. Ooh, oh, yeah. God. I should have given a warning. Dead. Don't eat food. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it happens. You know what? Maybe it's your thing. Maybe this shit doesn't bother you. Yeah, totally. You're like, you know what? I grew up watching Troll 2 every night at dinner time. Right. I just love watching that shit. That's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, bone fragments and pieces of his clothing were also found to be embedded inside his muscles and his chest cavity and as stated saint martin didn't have much of a chance for survival it was suspected that he wouldn't make it through the night but despite this beaumont did his best to remove the bone and cloth fragments from his body and nurse the lacerations in his abdomen and much to everyone's surprise saint martin made it through the night damn yeah diva Uh uh-huh and then he made it through more nights Mm -hmm. and eventually it seemed that maybe saint martin was going to be okay yeah it's miracle absolutely Uh just like drag you that's it yeah thing is though although saint martin survived the whole ordeal and the initial procedure to tend to his gaping wound a new problem presented itself Because the gunshot wound bursted a hole into his stomach, everything he ate and drank in the coming days swiftly came out through the hole in his side. Yeah, that'll happen. And that was a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Is it bursted or burst? You know what? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Let's just make it burst in now. (laughs) Burst. Like like Ellen Burstin. Yeah, there you go. Totally. So this was a problem, but, and I do mean but... The problem had a solution because Beaumont spent the next several weeks feeding St. Martin with nutrient enemas. Okay, yeah. Uh, there had to be a reason why you put so much of an emphasis on butt. Uh-huh. Nasty. Eaten through the butt. Now, thankfully, St. Martin's Hollywood diet didn't last for too long as Beaumont managed to find a solution to St. Martin's eating problem after just a couple weeks of rectal feeding. Okay. Uh-huh. Beaumont discovered that if he used a compress to bound St. Martin's abdomen, it would provide enough pressure and the necessary plug to keep food in St. Martin's stomach. Now, the entire time Beaumont treated St. Martin, he maintained written accounts of his process. And in these reports, Beaumont stated that after just four weeks, St. Martin seemed to be near recovery. He wasn't weak, sick, his appetite was good, his digestion, lovely gal, and basically St. Martin was totally normal. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that he still had a giant hole in his side. Yeah, and a plug. Mm-hmm. Because even though he was doing much better and his bodily functions were normal, the hole in his side remained opened and seemed to be healing very, very slowly. And until the hole healed, St. Martin was forced to continue using compressions on his abdomen to keep food from seeping out. Uh And hopefully St. Martin didn't find this too meddlesome because months and months and months went by, yet the hole remained. Concluding that this wound wasn't going to heal on its own, Beaumont decided to step in and started performing many painful procedures on St. Martin in an attempt to close the hole, all of which proved to be of no avail. Tired of all the poking and prodding, St. Martin requested after a certain amount of time that the procedures stopped. He didn't experience pain when the hole was left alone, and so he felt more willing to let it be then undergo any more painful procedures to try and close it over. 
and although the hole didn't close over, it did eventually heal in a rather peculiar way. Okay. The edge of this wound in his stomach had attached to the edge of the hole in his skin. Diva. And what this unusual regrowth did was form a fistula that provided easy access to whatever was going on in St. Martin's stomach. Like a peepity hole. Exactly. Yeah, just for peeping. Exactly, because just by pushing away this little piece of flesh that had grown, you could have VIP access to the inside of St. Martin's stomach. Bottle service. Uh-huh. Yes, honey. And miraculously, this didn't seem to bother St. Martin all that much. He could pretty much carry on like everything was fine. Now he's got a great party trick. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to see me puke through my gut? Yeah, he's like, I can make my skeleton tattoo dance, or I can show you my innards. Which would you like? Right. Yeah. Do we have time for both? <laughs> what works best for the party? Uh-huh. It's always good to have many party tricks. Absolutely. Especially if you don't have, a, like, if you underestimated how much food you needed to have at the party. Oh. Right? Like, you invited too many people, there's not enough food. Absolutely. People are going to get, like hungry because they don't have enough to, then you just get the guy with the hole in his gut to like spit out a couple of crackers what? and uh, everybody's turned off the food and the party went off without a hit oh i thought you were saying to create more food at the party he could just eat the food and then you know oh no honey yeah, yeah okay. we're not talking about baby birds here no thank no. you <laughs> thank you very much yeah, we'll save that for crystal Matter. absolutely is uh-huh. this the most disgusting story we've ever done i think potentially so. i think so mm-hmm. yeah no one loves regurgitated food but we're not even halfway through so let's keep going lucky lucky listeners uh-huh so despite the fact that saint martin was more or less good to go he ended up finding himself without employment when the american fur company wouldn't rehire him in what seemed like a great act of compassion, however, William Beaumont decided to hire St. Martin as a laborer to perform standard tasks and chores around the house, like uh, chopping wood and various other forms of manual labor. Okay. Now, none of these tasks seemed to bother St. Martin, and you'd literally not be able to tell he had a big old hole in his side based on how he worked. But as part of this arrangement to work for Beaumont, Beaumont drew up a contract for St. Martin to sign, and St. Martin signed it willingly. The thing is, though, St. Martin was allegedly illiterate. And depending on who you asked, by signing the contract, St. Martin had willingly or unwillingly agreed to have himself experimented on on a regular basis. Excuse me? Uh-huh. Can you pass me some papers that I can just throw in <laughs> the air while my chair spins around? What the fuck? Exactly. So outside of room and board, St. Martin would only be compensated a mere $150 a year, which by today money, honey, would translate to $2,800. Dang. So not a really sweet deal. No way. Now, when not performing manual labor, St. Martin would be forced to undergo procedures performed by Beaumont himself. Now, early on, Beaumont realized this fistula that had formed over St. Martin's stomach would be invaluable in being able to study the human digestive system. And up until this point, a lot of medical science was hypothetically based on what they could observe in animals and from autopsies, but never before has anyone had a literal window into a functioning human body absolutely he's like courtside seats baby exactly all season right yeah so in the vein of doing it for science beaumont more or less deceived saint martin into becoming his human guinea pig totally he was like do you want a full-time job with medical leave <laughs> right wing wing <laughs> yeah totally sly fucker uh-huh evil yeah and because of this contract that alexi willingly signed there was very little that anybody could do to stop it now 
what did William Beaumont do? Well, for years and years, Beaumont would examine human digestion through St. Martin's fistula. And I'm not going to lie, Beaumont learned a lot of valuable information, but it was not done ethically. No. I don't want to compare him to, like, the angel of death, because it wasn't that severe. Absolutely. He wasn't, like, trying to change the color of his eyes or shit like that. Exactly. But regardless of that, what St. Martin had to go through wasn't great either. Absolutely. Beaumont would often tie pieces of food to string, and pulling back the skin of the fistula, Beaumont would stick the food into St. Martin's stomach, pulling it out periodically to observe the effects of stomach acid on the food. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. And Beaumont was very hands-on. He would sometimes stick his fingers inside St. Martin's stomach. He would sometimes extract stomach acid to observe and hand it out to all of his doctor friends. He would also take pieces of stomach tissue out of St. Martin. And he'd even stick his tongue in St. Martin's no. stomach just to get a good taste no oh no uh-huh Mm-mm. when i say come get a taste i don't mean that shit no, <laughs> no that is wrong he would also take out food that saint martin had eaten and then he himself would eat it to examine the taste the fuck uh-huh apparently um half digested chicken tastes kind of bland and a little bit sweet great i'm so <laughs> glad that we know that uh-huh. wow yeah and through all of this beaumont basically discovered that the stomach didn't have an acid taste until it was actively working to digest food so anything for science yeah sure and like i said william beaumont learned a lot about human digestion. He published a lot of work on the matter, and it was so influential and so monumental that Beaumont would be declared father of gastric physiology. He had gastric scientists licking their fingers all across the country. Absolutely. So, father of gastric (laughs) sociology. The father of gastric (laughs) parapsychology. Right. I I mean, more or less. Tommy goes. It's no Miss Prime Rib, but I'm sure he was happy to have it. I'm sure that he considered himself Miss Prime Rib. Absolutely. Now, while Beaumont was gaining praise and accolades, St. Martin got absolutely nothing for his contributions outside of the meager accommodation that Beaumont was willing to provide. And the fact of the matter was that this whole ordeal was becoming a thorn in St. Martin's side, quite literally. Yeah, I was, yeah, Uh no. Yeah, because these procedures and these experiments that Beaumont was enacting were not only incredibly invasive and dehumanizing, they were also really painful. In 1825, after years of being a guinea pig, St. Martin had finally had enough. Now, Beaumont moved to Fort Niagara in New York and took St. Martin with him. But after a short while, St. Martin fled, breaking his contract, and returned to his home in Quebec, Canada, where St. Martin married and began to start a family. Get a diva. Yes, man. Break free. Mm-hmm. And now Beaumont, losing his prized guinea pig, spent a lot of money tracking down St. Martin and tried to coax him back by offering him more money and more resources. Pardon me. Mm -hmm. He was like, we have a contract. Exactly. And for a time, St. Martin obliged and he ended up going down from Canada to the U.S. to visit Beaumont to undergo more invasive experimentations for more money. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. But it still wasn't really great compensation. And Beaumont further tried to manipulate Alexi into staying with him by being like, I'll pay you even more money if you leave your wife and children and just move and live with me. Oh, of course. Uh huh. But the T is, allegedly, behind St. Martin's back, Beaumont was just a total piece of shit. He would refer to St. Martin as boy. 
and never use his name. He would also refer to his children as livestock Ugh. and basically said that once he had St. Martin back, he would have him under his control and he'd never be able to leave. So he was plotting and scheming. He just thought of himself as a regular Dr. Frankenstein. He absolutely did. Yeah. And this went on for years, but it ended in 1830. Now, while visiting Beaumont, St. Martin received word that one of his children had died, and he immediately traveled back to Canada. And although Beaumont tried to get St. Martin back again, St. Martin refused. Mm -hmm. He was like, no fucking way. Now, it's true that Beaumont had saved St. Martin's life, but that did not give him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted with St. Martin from there on out. Because can you imagine if that was the ethics that doctors had? Absolutely. Just being like, well, I saved your life, so you really owe me. You're my pet now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Yeah. It was pretty fucked up, and St. Martin had just had enough. Because also when he was going back to Beaumont after fleeing to Canada, Beaumont was like ripping his gut open. Apparently, he would pull the hole open so wide that he would have, like, a clear view into his stomach. Oh, my God. And knowing him, he would try to stick his fucking whole head in there at some point. Right. You know it. You fucking know it. So, at this point, St. Martin was like, fuck no. You got to go find yourself another glory. Yeah, before the hat play comes. Exactly. So, after severing ties with Beaumont, St. Martin led a pretty normal life. He had already started a family upon his return to Quebec, and he ended up having 17 children, allegedly, but unfortunately, he would see 12 of his 17 children die. Now, I read that in some accounts. Other accounts, I read that he only had six children, but maybe those accounts were only accounting for the children that survived. Yeah. Either way, he had a lot of babies, and apparently not a lot of them survived. And I'm not sure what caused their deaths. It's also worth noting that the fistula that was in his side had actually grown over with a thin layer of skin, likely because he didn't have a doctor fucking with it all the time. Absolutely. And when this piece of skin grew over, it actually allowed St. Martin to carry on with life without even having to wear any kind of... Um, like a patch to hold it in or like exactly. tourniquet or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, he could just like wake up and dupe it and do it and not have to worry about I love that. creating a plug. Yeah, mm-hmm. just getting out of bed twerking every day. Exactly. Being like everything's staying in place. That's it. And because of that, it also left uh, St. Martin and other people to wonder if Beaumont was ever actively trying to close the hole. Or was he trying to keep it open? Because, again, it allowed him to look into his stomach. I was going to say hot take. It doesn't sound like he was really trying to close that hole that hard. Ultimately, no. Yeah. Now, although he continued to practice medicine for the rest of his life, Beaumont, the father of gastric physiology, never found himself another human guinea pig. And he ultimately died in 1853 after sustaining a head injury from slipping on a patch of ice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, if only somebody drilled a hole in his head and then poked around on his brain, I, was I feel say, like it would have been a fair shake. I was going to say they could fully brain the wooden die him and yeah, then be absolutely. like, you know what? You don't have to die just yet, but we're going to keep you on a tray for the next 40 years. Right. How does it feel? <laughs> exactly. Now, St. Martin would live much longer. He'd still receive letters from curious medical professionals, all eager to examine him. But for the most part, St. Martin declined their requests with a high demand for proper compensation that was not often met. He was like, no fan mail, please. Exactly. And although St. Martin was considered invaluable, no one seemed to think he was worthy of this compensation. So they were like, can I poke and prod you? And he's like, sure, for this much money. And then they'd be like, no, never mind. Uh, Wow. Ethical. Right? Yeah, completely. 
And I suppose for St. Martin and his family, this was probably just as well. He ended up dying a poor old man in the 1880s, but his death was perhaps just as strange and just as bizarre as the life that he had led. Because after he died, all of a sudden, medical professionals were coming back out requesting to do an autopsy on his oh, body. Of course. Uh-huh. One doctor even sent a medical bag to the family asking them to put his stomach in it and send it back to him. That's pushy as fuck. Absolutely. So after he died, St. Martin's family actually let his corpse rot in the hot sun for several many days to advance the state of decomposition of his body. I mean, I can't really blame them. Right. And the reason why they did this was because they basically wanted to make his body no longer viable for any kind of medical experimentation. Uh So once his body was thoroughly rotted, they then buried it in an eight foot grave and then covered it in heavy rocks before filling it with soil. Well, absolutely. Because if there's one thing we've learned, it's throughout history. People love putting a dead body on show. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Ask a Mortician has a really great series about famous corpses and exploited corpses that everyone should check out. Absolutely. Yeah, because it talks about just this, where, you know, people die and then their corpses end up just being stolen for the next hundred years. And these people who never consented to it suddenly become museum exhibits. Exactly. Or medical oddities forever to be examined. Exactly. And that's what St. Martin's family was worried would happen. But some people also believe that his body was buried in such a way to ensure that he couldn't be resurrected. Uh Uh-huh. While others also believe that this was done to prevent his ghost from haunting them. Okay. Uh-huh. So they, like, buried him upside down or something? No, just under a bunch of heavy rocks. Uh, okay. Those are really kind of just, like, side piece, like, theories that people have put together. But either way, St. Martin's final resting place remained a secret for years and years until it was finally revealed in 1962, 82 years after his death. That's fierce. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's such a diva move. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Ultimately, St. Martin got little praise or compensation for his contribution to medical science, and that's a damn shame. Meanwhile, William Beaumont is celebrated as a medical marvel, a scientific genius, and has had a bunch of fancy buildings named after him. And yet, few know him as the exploitative and unethical man history has proven him to be. Because, in the immortal words of Monique Hart, Brown Cow's Dunning. (laughs) <laughs> the ooh-ah sensation, the ooh-ah of course. Sensation. How yeah. could we forget? Yeah. I mean, that's not the right one. In the immortal words of Monique Hart, <laughs> facts are facts, America. Period. And speaking of facts, thank you to my sources. Thank you to LiveScience.com for their article, Man with Hole in Stomach Revolutionized Medicine by Tia Ghost from April 24th, 2013. Live science, more like love science. Oh, hey, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't just live it, I live it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get, okay. Okay, Um, thank you to mckennaislandbh.weebly.com, which is a historical website created by Catherine Hamilton, Rachel Cohen, Christy Yepser and Tyler Leonard. It looked like some really intense um, school project, but good information. Also, thank you to SissonianMag.com for their article, The Man's Gunshot Wound Gave Scientists a Window into Digestion by Kat Escher from June 6, 2017. And thank you to Today I Found Out for their article, The Curious Case of Alexi St. Martin from June 6, 2018 by Carl Smallwood. And also thank you to Today I Found Out for their YouTube video, on Alexi St. 
Martin. Yes, we stand a diva with facts. Yes, we do. Cute. All right. Well, thank you, Tyler. You're so welcome. That was absolutely gruesome. Yeah, it was. And thank you, Sarah from oh, the Secret yeah. Society for <laughs> suggesting Thanks, that Sarah. topic for us to cover. So sweet. Mm-hmm. We love you. All right. So I guess that means it's my turn then. I guess it does. All right. Well, Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Like I said before, I can promise you that mine is a little bit more lighthearted. Okay, I love it. But it's kind of spooky. I love that. Yeah, so I hope you have the lights turned on, and I hope you have your phone available, because there will be an audiovisual component to tonight's performance. Ooh. Yes. Can I get the projector screen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because tonight I am going to be talking about the Belmez faces. Ooh. Doesn't that just sound luxury? It really Belmez. does. Belmez, it sounds like Belmont. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like something that Barbara Streisand would put on her face. Absolutely. Bab says, fuck La Mer, I only wear Belmez on this mug thank you so much yeah and then she gets that santa barbara strawberry ice cream delivered to her house every day thank you Uh have you ever heard about that how barbara streisand refuses to have her favorite flavor of strawberry ice cream in the house so every day one of her staff has to drive to santa barbara to a certain ice cream shop to get like one pint of her favorite ice cream okay but once it's gone or once she's had enough it has to leave the premises (laughs) Because she cannot have it there. Like, imagine that being your full-time job. I mean, that's kind of wild to be yeah. Barbara Streisand's ice cream fetcher. Absolutely. I want to try it someday. Santa Barbara Strawberry, what's up? I mean, yeah. I Get mean, it's also it. kind of wild that she eats it every day, but she won't allow it in her house, even though it's in her house every day. That's Barbara. <laughs> She's a funny girl. All right, so let's talk about the Belmez faces. Let's do it. Delicious. All right, so... The phenomenon of people seeing faces in the everyday world around them where faces aren't supposed to be is very common. Uh, It's referred to as pareidolia, you know, some people refer to it as like the man on the moon complex. Mm -hmm. Now, there have been many famous sightings of faces and figures around the world, notably one from our home province in 1998, when a Tim Hortons in Brador, which is in Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia, Canada. Very, very close to where I grew up. Yes. Well, this particular Tim Hortons saw thousands of visitors trying to catch a glimpse at an image of Jesus Christ, which was emblazoned on the wall of the building under the exterior light between the building's two main sets of windows. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, I remember being nine years old, just nine years old, little Tyler, standing in front of the Lickachick across the street from this Tim Hortons, Mm -hmm. trying to catch me a glimpse of Jesus on a brick wall. And... I didn't really see anything. No. Well, uh, (laughs) not a lot of people saw anything after the light was changed, the uh, the exterior light over where the uh, image of Jesus was discovered. Because, yeah, it didn't exist after the bulb was changed and it just kind of went away. But it's been steeped in our history ever since. Yeah, it was a miracle. Yeah. People are really proud of that Tim Hortons Jesus, I'll tell you that. Uh And then recently in 2015 in the UK, a man reported finding images of a one-eyed zombie popping up in the tiles and walls of his home. Oh. 
this went viral on Reddit at the time. Okay. But yeah, it was this guy being like, oh, this face is haunting me throughout my house. Every time I look, I see this weird, you know, one-eyed ogre thing looking back at me. And he took a picture, he posted it. It did look, you know, like a weird face if you were trying to see that. But he ended up retiling most of his house as a result. Because he was so, just yeah. too freaked out by the, Absolutely. the patterns in his tiles. Because this is not something to be taken lightly, as we will learn from the case of the Belmez faces, which is one of the most iconic cases of faces popping up in somebody's house where they weren't invited. I'm into it. Diva. So, this all takes place in Belmez de la Moraleda, or Belmez, which is a small city located in the Yen province. I think it's Yen. J-A-E-N. Yen. Like, J-A-E-N. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Cause, yeah. Or Hayen. Maybe that's... Sorry. Somebody let us know. Correct us. if I found a few different pronunciations. But if you're from Spain, please let us know. But that is a province in southern Spain. Now... Belmez, the town or city, whatever you want to call it, is a pretty quiet place. It consists of a little over 1,800 people. That's why I hesitate calling it a city. Mm -hmm. And it's tucked away in an area that's mostly known for its olive oil production. So not a lot of stuff going on there, except since the 1970s, the small city of Belmez has developed quite a reputation for these faces. Dis faces. Dismug, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and unlike olive oil, this is nothing that you can create a sweet, delicious hair mask with. So, this all starts out in Belmez in August of 1971. Times were different. Uh-huh. Malibu Barbie had just hit the scene. Oh, Charles hey. Manson had just been sentenced to death for the Tate LaBianca murders. And Maria Gomez Pereira was cleaning her kitchen. Right. <laughs> Big moments. Now, Maria lived in a small home at 5 Real Street with her husband Juan and their son Miguel. And on this day in August of 1971, it was pretty much a day like any other day. Maria's in the kitchen doing her thing. Mm -hmm. When all of a sudden, Maria notices something strange in the center of the kitchen's concrete floor. A stain. Ooh, spooky. I got chills. Well, you know, stains can be spooky. Stains are hard to get out of concrete floors. Have you ever tried to get a stain out of concrete? Absolutely. Uh, Yes, actually, I was going to say absolutely they are hard to get out. But to answer your question, yeah, and Coca-Cola tends to be the answer. Oh, really? Yeah, Coca-Cola will take some grime out of some concrete. Like, you want to clean your driveway, honey? Throw that shit out there. Right? I thought it was only good for dissolving pennies. Well, I mean, hey, you can do many things with it. Including contracting type 2 diabetes. Right. Who would have thought? Allegedly, you can drink it. Yeah, that too. Oh, yeah. It's a great household cleaner, but it's also not that bad when you, yeah, put it on some ice. It's a good thirst quencher. Real cute. Yeah. So, Maria is living her best life in her kitchen, and then a stain is discovered. Now, Maria doesn't have any idea where this stain came from. Maybe it was a spill. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But she tries to clean it. It stays in place doesn't budge so she's probably thinking it was oil or something like that you know it's a kitchen the floor gets stained every now and then for sure shit splashes honey and after a little while of trying to clean it maria just decides to let sleeping dogs lie and address it at a later time Mm -hmm. i don't blame her you know sometimes if it's sunk in like that you can just get it the next time you do a deep clean absolutely pour some baking soda on it let it fizz and then give it a good scrub you have so many options now the next day maria goes back to the kitchen and lo and behold the stain is still there but it's gotten darker and it's gotten bigger yeah so again thinking that it was just some everyday grime Mm -hmm. maria tries to clean up the stain but again it won't budge right so maria goes on about her life now 
Oil stains. Spooky as fuck, right? Oopsie I mean, really, you know what? How many shirts have we destroyed? Honestly, a lot. I'm still mourning that blue and white polka dot one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. It's got a big old yellow stain on it. I don't even know from what. Well, I remember the moment, but we don't have to get into that. What was the moment? You were frying chicken. It was me? Yeah. Frying chicken? It happens. I'm not mad about it. I need to stop frying chicken. I almost killed us the other day frying chicken. Yeah. But it's all right. We didn't die. No, we didn't, because we're right here. Yeah, I just injured my back because I went flying back into a metal-enforced doorway. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Now, back to Maria. Mm-hmm. So it's like day two. There's a stain on her floor, and it's getting darker, and it's getting weirder. And Maria tries to clean it. It's not going anywhere. So Maria basically does the same as day one. She just kind of lets it, you know, lay as it is and comes back the next day to check in on it. Mm-hmm. Now, third day... Still getting darker, shape is still kind of growing. And over the next few days of, you know, coming back and watching it just morph in front of her very eyes, Maria notices that the stain is no longer just looking like an amorphous stain on the kitchen floor, Uh but it's taking on the shape of a face, the face of a man. And he did not look happy. So this face had dead eyes, long jowls, an open mouth, and these eyes that just pierced you as you made contact with it. All tea. Yeah, it kind of looked like grandmother Will from Pocahontas, Ah! but painted by Aleister Crowley. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Oh, it's the shit of nightmares. Do you want to see a photo of it? I absolutely do. Great. All right. Well, uh, here you go. We will be posting this on the Instagram, and this is the uh, Belmez face that showed up on Maria's floor. What are your thoughts and feelings, Tyler? Listen, you weren't lying about those jowls. Those jowls are very prominent. They are there, and those are some dead-ass eyes. I think she needs a carpet. I'm just saying. Absolutely. Like, what would you say if that face showed up on your kitchen floor just mean-mugging you? Uh, nope. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm just saying, nope. Uh No, thank you. All right. So, obviously, Maria is freaked as fuck. Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Faces don't just show up on your floor every day. Not usually. Yeah. And what if it starts to talk? Like, (laughs) obviously, whatever this is, is a grower, not a shower, you Uh know? So, it's not going to roll out all of its spookiness just from the gate. No. Like, obviously, it took a few days to morph into the face. If I were Maria, I would be really cautious about what would be happening next with this dude. Absolutely. This is a stain full of stunts. Absolutely. Yeah. A stunt stain. It's also in a prime position for peeping. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. Absolutely. Like, I would be enforcing a no skirts rule immediately in the kitchen. Pants only or at least bloomers. Totally. Like, it reminds me of this girl that I went to school with. Not to completely diverge, Mm -hmm. but, like, back in the 90s, there was this guy that was in my grade that had these Jenko jeans. And he was, like, hot and popular. Like, to other people. Jenko jeans. Absolutely. And he played soccer, all that kind of stuff. He had the best bowl cut in the class. (laughs) And there was this one person in my class she was just obsessed with him and she constantly bragged about peeking up his jenko jeans and seeing his bird what did she have like mirrors on her shoes or something i don't know like maybe she was on the playground peeping up them i don't exactly remember but i do remember for the entire year of fourth grade she went around bragging to people that she peeped this dude's dick up his Janko jeans. I mean, no. Yeah, and she was, like, teaching people. She was like, I have seen the chosen way. <laughs> Let me guide you on my path. She went to, like, the empty classroom, drew a whole diagram on the board. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, just math equations. Yeah. Yeah, so... 
anyway, I digress. Enough about her. It just kind of reminds me of the situation. Sure. Back to Maria, though. Uh-huh. She's trying to scrub this face away, and it still won't move. So, Maria is very upset and didn't quite know what to do. So, she asks her husband, Juan, to help her with the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Now, he tries to apply some of his elbow grease to the whole floor situation, doesn't really aid anything. So, in a move that says, no man will be in my house me mugging my family, Uh Juan and Miguel, her son, both took pickaxes to the floor. There you go. Exactly. Now, as they say in the construction trade, they toasted the fucker. (laughs) They don't actually (laughs) say that in the construction. Absolutely not. But I like to imagine that's what they say. Uh Uh-huh. Let's toast it. Let's toast that fucker. Today's going to be a full day of toasting. Get ready, babies. And then the whole crew is just like, yeah. Cheers. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's why you wear the white foreman's cat. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. Steva. All right. So (laughs) they toasted. And with that, they Uh are ready to move on from this unwelcome guest in their home. Right. Now, they lay down some new concrete in the kitchen because this is a great excuse to relay some flooring. Sure. Mm -hmm. If this were my household, my mother would be like, can we just change the color of the floor? Put down some fresh laminate. She's like, I don't ask for much, but since we're renovating. But anyway, they basically patch up, you know, the floor, try to make it look like before, try to make it look like nothing happened. Uh-huh. And everything was great. No mug in sight. Back to business. Excellent. Until a week after the floor was relayed. Once the concrete had cured, the face reappeared. The same face? No, an angrier looking face. Do you oh, want to see that mama. one? Yeah. Yeah, so this time it was a little bit more contorted. It was like the googly eyes version of the first one. Ooh. Almost as if to say like, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. it looks like a, the face of somebody who just got toasted. Yeah, well, it actually looks like the face of somebody who's kind of in pain. So don't worry, we will be posting a side-by-side of these two faces on the Instagram for you to check out. Mm-hmm. Or it'll also be available on thatspooky.com. But Basically, the family sees this on the kitchen floor and they're just like, ooh, we are being haunted by something or someone that is trying to communicate with us. But what are they trying to say? Look at me. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have the words for it yet. So uh-huh. that was the only way. Yeah. Jerry Hollowell hadn't written her hit song yet. Oh, right. Yeah. Maybe it's just like the, the echo of Jerry Hollowell before Jerry A Hollowell. A forerunner for the song Look at Me by Jerry Hollowell. Exactly. From her hit album Schizophonic. Yes. Yeah. I had it. You did. I can quote you the lyrics for Michiko Latino. Don't <laughs> make me do that. All right. So the family is convinced that they are being haunted now and not really knowing what to do. They also consider destroying the floor a second time just to see how that goes right why not sure now by the time that the family is coming around to this you know second plan of attack the entire neighborhood has found out about this Mm -hmm. and friends and family are coming by the house in allegedly hundreds just like droves trying to see what's going on were they charging a ticket price well they did later on we'll talk about that okay but at this point the mayor of the town also finds out Mm -hmm. so the mayor comes down to the Pereira's house because he's just like i want to gawk don't destroy this fucker before i get a chance sure and names it like a notable spot that cannot be destroyed what yeah no basically they're just like "Mm, we got to investigate this this is pretty paranormal stuff Mm -hmm. so you guys are not allowed to take up your kitchen floor. I don't care how freaky it is. It was just like declared a historical property or whatever. Basically, like part of me when I was reading this was kind of just like, was the mayor just kind of like, oh no, they will not before I get a chance to get down there and see it for myself. Thank you. Right. But yeah, ba- 
basically they were like, I don't care how much this thing is peeping up your Jenko jeans. You've got to keep it on your floor. <laughs> Shut so, the fuck up. <laughs> I will not. Sorry. So it is at this point then that city officials request that the site is immediately excavated. Mm-hmm. So now they're not only like, this is special, you can't touch it. But they're like, now we're going to take it and it's ours. But you still can't touch it. Right. So did they get kicked out of their house or what happened? Temporarily. So welcome to a kitchen room model that nobody asked for. The city officials removed a chunk of the floor where the face was showing up, Mm -hmm. takes it away for testing. These tests reveal that there is no trace of paint on the floor. Mm -hmm. And the city officials say that they were not able to find any traces of like tampering or chemical like painting on the floor. Right. Basically, they just couldn't explain or disprove the faces, Mm -hmm. thus making it a paranormal event in the eyes of many people. Now, outside of that, things were only going to get worse at the Carrera household because the dig allegedly led by the mayor goes into the floor of the family's kitchen. They go deeper through the foundation of the house. And when they're digging around the house's foundation, trying to find a source for these faces that are manifesting on the floor, it was said that the diggers found skeletons. Oh. Old fucking skeletons. Like, and like way down underneath the floor of the kitchen. So people are shocked and they just begin uncovering bodies. Mm -hmm. And it seems as if there was a graveyard underneath the home that was undocumented or forgotten about or something like that. Now, to make the matters even more freaky, it turned out that some of the bodies were discovered decapitated. Oh, Shit. Yeah, and now I shouldn't... Look, decapitated has a certain connotation to it, but we do need to boil this down to the facts. They were found without their heads. It doesn't mean that somebody, like, very consciously chopped it off. In some cases, they didn't find the head, but that's kind of where it was. Though, they do investigate the scene, and they soon discovered that the skeletons date back as far as the 18th century. Or no, sorry, not the 18th, the 13th century. Oh, shit. Now, that's notable. Yeah. Now, after this is figured out, the city also had the local Catholic church give the remains a Catholic burial. Which is all well and good, but what if the bodies didn't want a Catholic burial? I mean, that's the tea. That's the tea. But anyway, the family has their floor put back together as well. So, you know, they're just kind of like, well, that's a horrible discovery. We've taken the cursed floor away. You know, we've exhumed the graveyard and reburied them. Here's your floor back. Move back into your home. Right. Yeah. So basically, after the sinkhole is patched up in their kitchen, the family tries to go back to a regular life. But everybody in the community is really fucking interested about what's going on at the Pereira household. Sure. So speculation starts to rise about what exactly the cause of this was. Because if we remember, the officials weren't able to find any source for the images that were coming up on the floor. Right. Because you might think, okay, maybe something was leaking up from the ground into the floor and just happened to make a thing that looks like a face. Well, that's the thing. People considered that. But then after... After the bodies were found, the public started to speculate that the faces must have had something to do with the forgotten bodies underneath the home. Absolutely. So basically, within not a lot of time, the rumor starts up, you know, 
later in 1971 that all of these bodies were trying to communicate with the Pereiras through their floor and stuff like that. And this house was a little bit of a spiritual hotbed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's real freaky. But what's even worse is that once the Pereira kitchen was put back together, two weeks after it was reconstructed, the face began appearing again. Bitch. Yeah. But this time it wasn't just a face. It was several many faces. Oh, like honey. all different kinds of them along with the OG face. Okay. Yeah. In the same spot and everything. Absolutely. And according to the Pereira family, over the next 30 years, faces of men, women, old people, young people, large people, small people, everyone would show up on their walls and floors. Mm -hmm. And rarely did the faces look happy. Let's just say that. Quite often, they would also shift expressions between uh, days. So some days they would just be neutral and mad. Some days they would be, you know, contorted in pain. Like the face, the house was just serving face. Face, face, face. Absolutely. She gives face. Beauty face. You can't take all of this face. All that face. Watch your family go insane. Yeah. So the family is not excited about this. But hey, the spirits wouldn't leave them alone. They think you're their mama now. Maybe you could look at it that way. That's kind of sweet. Um. Yeah. 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 They were popular <laughs> in many ways, uh-huh. actually, because the local papers soon start writing about the faces. And the family's home soon becomes a mega tourist attraction. Well, yeah. Like, this isn't just the neighbors talking anymore. Like within a few months, the papers are talking about it and the out of town papers are talking about it. So enter the station wagons full of families. Absolutely. This is like Isle of the Doll kind of shit. Like if you are passing through a little town in Spain and you find out that there's a house that has ghost faces all over it, you're going to want to go. That's the tea. Now, this all really popped off, especially in 1972, the following year, when the family was written about in a number of notable newspapers. And when all of these people started showing up, this is when the family starts to charge admission to see the faces. Mm -hmm. So at the time, they would charge 10 pesetas to see the face, which from what I understand is about uh, 1.18 euros, so $1.80 Canadian. Uh, Then to take photos, it would be 15 pesetas. So that's uh, 1.77 euro or $2.70 Canadian, roughly. But we're talking like 1970s. So you could see a couple of movies for that price at the theater. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So people from all walks of life start to come see the house. Priests, journalists, just everyone in between. As well as an investigator named Hans Bender, who referred to the home as the most important 20th century occurrence of paranormal activity. Okay, work. Absolutely. He points to it as one of the most notable cases of geister portraits or ghost portraits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, now let's talk about some investigations into the home. Uh The first major one took place in 1972. This is, you know, after the city did their initial thing. Basically, the area in the kitchen where everything had been going down was well documented and the stain was sealed off with a cloth and wax, which was viewed by a local notary who, you know, confirmed that this was all happening. And then basically, they left it for a few days. The investigators wanted to consider the possibility that the shifting faces were a reaction to changes in sunlight in the room or something like that. Okay. So they wanted to see what happened when you just covered it up. So the test goes forward. The family vacates their home for a number of days and everything just sits. They also left an audio recorder in the kitchen and they did capture audio, which is available today. But there wasn't really anything there that kind of conclusively indicated where the faces were coming from. There is some like high-pitched whirring that you can hear on there. 
but it's nothing too notable. Right. It could be attributed probably to lots of different possibilities. Well, that's the thing. And it was also done on a tape recorder and artifacts on tape can be a reality. I mean, yeah, that's a whole world that you can hop down. Mm -hmm. It can sound really cool. Now, uh, basically, they come back in after a few days of having everything sealed off. And when they remove the cloth that was, you know, patched down with wax, the faces were not only still there but they had changed and another face had added into the mix and nobody had been in the house nobody had been in the house allegedly so people are really freaked out but then this you know further solidified for people or you know solidified in the lore that you know the Pereira family wasn't fucking with this that this was just something that was kind of organically happening in the house now the question on everyone's mind is why these faces and why this house Mm -hmm. if a paranormal phenomenon like this was going to manifest itself this is a pretty random way to do it which leads us to some more possible explanations possible did i say possible it's a new (laughs) word get into it 2020 now uh if the question is who are these ghosts like i said some attribute them to the graveyard that was allegedly discovered underneath the home Uh others identified the faces as potential members of maria's family who had died during spain's civil war which would then lead this into not just being a random haunting but then something that was connected more to maria right like she was a medium and she was channeling these spirits and drawing them to her Welcome to the next theory. Now, other people want to look at it more scientifically. They ask, you know, how could these impressions even be made in the first place? Or the images, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. Basically, some people believe that the faces are chemicals that were used for cleaning or potentially, uh, like treating walls and floor like some kind of bleach that's reacting to sunlight that's causing the discoloration okay other people believe that it's a chemical that through a process of oxidization you know uh changes and that's why the faces are morphing over time all that kind of stuff other people have looked at the possibility that the faces were made up of a mixture of vinegar and soot or hydrochloric acid nitric acid sulfuric acid silver nitrate or other light reactive chemicals uh, that could alter the concrete now i should clarify the acids that i just mentioned aren't effectively like light altering Mm -hmm. that kind of sits in the realm more of the theories where something was applied that would like corrode or discolor uh that's kind of like one camp the other camp is that something light reactive could have been put down right so that's where those ideas come from the third camp of possibilities if this is something painted on because it's not paint it's not these other verifiable chemicals is that maybe the faces were actually drawn with some sort of pigment that's been cast in a resin sure yeah yeah. now maybe not necessarily the resin that you would think of like a uv reactive resin or an art resin like a lot of people use today in tutorials Mm -hmm. but in some sort of naturally found resin right like sap yeah you never know so there are a ton of different possibilities but it is you know still open nobody really knows exactly what the faces were drawn with now the spanish institute for ceramics and glass conducted an investigation of the home in 1990. so at this point the home had been a popular tourist spot for the last 20 years no Mm -hmm. one had ever been able to conclusively explain it which just adds to the spooky ookiness of it sure so the spanish institute for ceramics and glass comes in and they are also not able to definitively pin down a cause for the faces 
So at this point, people are still pretty much just sitting there going, well, I guess the best explanation is that Maria is some kind of powerful, you know, psychic or medium or something like that. Right. Which is when we enter the thoughtographic theories. So the idea like in the thoughtographic theories is that this that this phenomenon was essentially reflecting Maria's thoughts and emotions. Oh, like thought as in thinking, not thought as in T H O T. Yeah, not about that hoe over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a whole confused. other cat kittens. Uh-huh. Yeah, sorry about that. But basically this is a pretty clever way of calling Maria a witch. Sure. In this theory, it's the idea that uh, it's a physical manifestation of her thoughts and feelings and that this would then, you know, just go on for the rest of her life and once Maria died it would all stop Hmm. now this theory was dispelled when Maria died on or in February of 2004 now she was 85 years old from what I understand it was natural causes Mm -hmm. but this was after 30 years of the faces popping up around her home now after Maria died it was said that the faces not only remained in the home but continued to develop throughout the property okay yeah and they continue to shift expression and all that kind of stuff however these new faces never really got the same reception as the original ones because in recent years actually it was in may of 2007 that this was announced Mm -hmm. it was actually found that the new faces that popped up after uh maria's death were forged okay yeah now was it her family still living in the home after she died yes so it was believed that it was maria's son miguel her second son uh who was responsible for doing this allegedly because they had actually found traces of paint during testing and they had revealed that like i said in may 2007 in the book las caras de bemez by francisco menez and javier cabaniles but what's interesting about that is that they were able to prove that the new faces were fake but the original ones they still couldn't explain they still couldn't find traces of paint or lead or anything on there so they're still a mystery in a Mm. way now i should also note the house did develop the nickname over the years la casa de la caras which is just fierce that sounds like a telenovela absolutely it does and i'm here for it but yeah it has remained infamous and from what i understand it is still an active tourist destination atlas obscura has a a dress for it that you can find yeah so get into it honey and the faces are still there you can go inside and look at them they are still there honey and nobody has an explanation for where they came from still. I will say, though, like, I'm not here going, oh, they're 100% paranormal. There are a lot of skeptics that still firmly believe that the faces were the creation of the Pereira family to bring in tourism. Uh-huh. But we will truly never know. Like, all of that is alleged. There are some places that say, oh, the Pereiras didn't make a cent off what they did. But then, uh, like, there is an interview uh, that I'm about to cite where somebody actually goes to the house and sat down with Maria and had to pay not only, you know, to get in there to take photos, but for the interview as well. So I like, and by no means is that me saying that they were money hungry or anything like that. I mean, like get your coin hunty. Yeah. But like, I, it's a fallacy to just say like, Oh, this family, their life was ruined by it. You know? And like, I did see one or two sources that kind of made it seem like that. Right. It really did seem like the Pereiras were making a bit of bank off of it, that the town actually received a lot of infamy. There are a lot of people that, I kind of believe that the folks in 
Belmez kind of kept this going forward. Like, if it wasn't the Pereira family, then it was just the neighbors who were like, ooh, tourism's up. Well, I mean, that's interesting. That's kind of like the trajectory. Remember Muddy Jesus? Yeah. It was a big controversy when it happened, but now it's kind of a blessing in disguise because it ended up bringing a lot of tourism to this small little town where nobody ever wanted to go or nobody had a reason to go. Yeah, and if you don't know what we're talking about, it's the Ece Homo painting that was repainted and turned into a potato. Some people also call it Muddy Jesus. There are a ton of names for it. We're not coming for Christians. But what we do know is that the Belmay's faces have and will continue to mystify people for years. So, oh, that sounded really official. I don't know what was happening with my throat there, but I turned into a news announcer for a moment. You did. You're like on radio, honey. Welcome to the news. All right. So. Thank you to my sources. The lineup for the article, The Mysterious Faces of Belmez, written by Stephen Cazale. It didn't have a date. Thank you to Encyclopedia.com for their entry on the Belmez Faces. That was recently updated in May of 2020. Thank you to Atlas Obscura for their write-up on the Belmez Faces. You can also find the uh, information on how to get there if you ever want to. That was put together by Louise Morado. And finally, thank you to our good Judies at Skeptical Inquirer for the article, Belmez Faces Turned Out to Be Suspiciously Picture-Like Images, written by Cesar Tort in the March and April of 1995 edition of Skeptical Inquirer. Now, that's where you can go and actually get his first-hand account of going to the house in Belmez. Although, I just want to say, he opens the article by referring to Maria as a peasant woman. Oh. And yeah, and really kind of painting this whole, like, John Steinbeck fantasy of, like, what this is. And if you look at any photo of Maria, like, she's just your everyday Spanish woman. Right. Just doing her thing. Like, sure, she didn't have a ton of money, but he kind of makes her, like, he just kind of makes it sound a lot more... Bit voyeuristic. Yeah, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, so there's that. And also, I do just want to say, like, Skeptical Inquirer... I love you dearly, but when I was flipping through this edition of Skeptical Inquirer, like while they do hit it in terms of the facts and debunking things, Mm -hmm. they also had an article that was called How Feminism is Now Alienating Women from Science. What? So, yeah, it was all about how women's studies uh, had been teaching women in universities that logic is a tool of domination. Hmm. Yeah. I feel a bit skeptical about that inquiry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I I do just want to say that, like, I I got a lot of love for Skeptical Inquirer. And while they get it right a lot in terms of facts, there is a level of nuance and intersectionality that is lost in some of their writing over the years. Now, I will say that is from the 90s. Times have changed. Hopefully, you know, Noretta Cortez, who wrote uh, the article about how feminism is alienating women from science, has maybe adjusted their tune a bit. Uh But yeah, I just kind of wanted to point that out because I don't want to, you know, throw a of accolades at a source and then have somebody come back and go have you heard about the problematic history of these folks right noteworthy t yeah so that's it all right well johnny i really want to ask you what your opinions are on these faces whether or not you think that they were real that they were fake but maybe that will be a talking point on the post-mortem next week so we'll talk about it in our live stream post-mortem which we'll be doing this weekend on the secret society so if you want to know what i think you can hop on over there but alti i don't think that they're paranormal yeah but i'll explain why (laughs) all right so now we get to get into the really educational part of today's show. Yes. Tyler, I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What did you learn today? Mm. Well, I guess today I learned to be a skeptical inquirer mm-hmm. in that 
don't just trust one source, find multiple sources. And that's really prevalent in uh, what's going on in the world right now. Yeah. And even when there were lots of weird faces popping up in concrete, you know, don't trust one source, find many opinions and then formulate your own. Get sourcey. That's it. I love it. All right. Well, I would say that this week I learned that if you're going to sign a contract, look over every fucking inch of it, baby. And if you don't know how to read, that's fine. No judgment. Just get somebody that does to just give you the tea on what you're about to sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are all on different arcs of literacy, but you just got to make sure that you're not signing yourself away to something that's going to end up with a dude using your tummy as a peephole. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Periscope, but mm-hmm. I didn't really want to take it there. Anyway, At least you didn't use it like a Nickelodeon and I stick know, a nickel in right? every time you wanted to look in. You know what I mean? Totally. Well, it's all good. I used the Periscope analogy anyway. So it's not like I really saved anyone anything. <laughs> now, I do want to shine a light on something now. A review. Oh, yeah. From one of our friendly spooky bitches out there on Apple Podcasts. Now... Like we say every week, if you want to leave us a five-star rating and a cute little review on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on, we will happily read it on the show. It will make our bums hum, just like this one that I have here from Box Lake in Canada. Now, they say, hilarious and spooky, and they give us five stars. They say, cannot say enough things about this podcast. Well-researched, quality content, and lovable hosts. Johnny and Tyler are able to lighten up dark content while paying proper respect to all affected parties. Spooky enough for me to be hooked and funny enough not to scare me while driving dark highways in the middle of the night. That's perfect, because if you're driving a dark highway in the middle of the night, you need to be alert. Yes, Uh that is the mix we are going for. (laughs) Thank you, Box Lake. So, like I was saying, if you want to be like our new best Judy Boss Lake, Boss Lake, that's your new nickname, honey, get into it, Mm -hmm. then you can leave us a rating and review, five stars only. And if you are on a podcast app that you can't leave us a rating and review on, you can email it to us. That would be cute. Now, that's a great way to support the show. It, you know, helps the computers that run the world of podcasting, you know, know that we're worth listening to. But if you're looking for another way to support the show and you want to get something out of it for yourself, like, I don't know, an extra episode every week Mm -hmm. and other bonus content, Mm -hmm. you can join the secret society that doesn't suck. So patreon.com slash that's spooky. Every week we put up an episode of Spooky Snacks, which this past week was an hour and 20 minutes long. Yeah. And that's not that much of an anomaly because those mini episodes are rarely mini. Yeah. They're barely episodes. And we usually cover topics that are too short or too weird for us to talk about on the main show and uh yeah we also do buzzfeed quizzes it's a lot of fun we also have a watch along of drag race all-star season one happening on there Mm -hmm. we also do weekly live streams and monthly live streams where we do some other fun shit too the weekly ones are post-mortems the monthly ones we have one movie night and one craft night and those are all moving to zoom so you're going to be able to video chat with us if you fucking want to Zoom, zoom, bitches. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> hop in the car. So, yeah, you can all get it all there at patreon.com slash that's spooky. That's right. But if you can't do that, because we are also very empathetic that there are a lot of organizations out there right now that need your financial support, you can still support us in a free way by following us on social media and engaging with us there. We are on Twitter and we are on Instagram at that's spooky pod. Absolutely. That's T-H-A-T-S-S-B-O-O-K-Y-P-O-D, which is exactly how we spell it in our email. Now, you can email us and you can send us freaky shit that's happened to you 
We will compile those and read them on an episode someday. You can also send us pet photos because that just makes our life better. Uh-huh. And we are putting together the Hall of Fame. So yeah. get ready for that. And then when you're done doing all of that and you've still got a little bit of time to spare, hop on over to thatspooky.com where you can listen to episodes, you can get show notes, you can email us from there. What else can you do there, Johnny? You can also click on the store there, which is available at thatspooky.com slash store, which is going to have pins restocked in it real soon as of the release of this episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, all two, it'll probably be about a month or so. But they've been ordered. They've been confirmed. They are going to be in our hands ASAP. Yeah, there are little L's just working away, polishing up those pins, making them look as pretty as can possibly be. They're not elves. They're three-dimensional human beings with families. Well, yeah, exactly. And hopefully yeah. they're being paid very well and to do that dreams. for us. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we love them for that. Yes, we do. But yeah, you can get yours by going to thatspooky.com slash store. Yes. And I think that's kind of it for this week. It's done. It's finished. It's over. We did the thing we came here to do. We made it. So, uh, look, we just hope that you are happy and healthy and feeling loved and supported wherever you are. We hope that you are doing what you can, and we also hope that you're getting what you need. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, just remember this. You know, this might be a really hard week. We don't know what's yet to come, uh, but if anything else... Don't forget that you can always turn your gay best friends on and we will be happy to hook you up with some laughs, baby. That's because it. we love you very much and we respect you and we think you're just fabulous. So until next time, kissy kisses. And as always, if you're going to be a bitch. Be a spooky bitch. Bye. Bye. I was late on the bye. That's all right. You made it. But I stayed till the end. Because spitters are quitters. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, but after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin' Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.